What's up, fellow freaks? I'm Zach, your host of the Ox Podcast, bringing you a daily dose of uncensored wisdom, 10 minutes or less, no bullshit, no topic off limits. If any episode of the Ox has made your life better in some small way, please take a few seconds to send this podcast to someone else. The best way to spread love is to share what you love. Now, without further ado, let's dive in. What makes someone the baddest motherfucker on the planet? Baddest motherfucker on the planet! By baddest motherfucker, I mean a man or a woman who has a fierceness about them that they can channel in any situation. A savagery that may lie dormant 99% of the time, but that 1% of the time you fuck with them, you will see it and regret it. I want to be a bad motherfucker. Deep down, I believe everyone has some sort of drive to be seen as a tough person. Someone who can get through the shit, maybe with a bunch of scars and bruises, but nonetheless get through it. So what makes someone the baddest motherfucker? What defines bad motherfuckers? So I am fortunate that I've been able to learn about a lot of bad motherfuckers. I've encountered some bad motherfuckers in my life through different things that I've been a part of, like sports or Muay Thai or music, whatever that may be. And by having the privilege to learn from these people, there are two things that stand out to me when I encounter someone and I think, wow, this person is a bad motherfucker. This person is an absolute savage. The first thing that all of these people have in common, and you can't be a bad motherfucker without, is you have to be someone who voluntarily puts yourself in tough situations, uncomfortable situations, where you're going outside yourself, and you have to do this on a consistent basis. It's not enough to just do it once and be like, all right, I'm good. You know, I'm a bad motherfucker for life. I did this one challenging thing 10 years ago. It has to be on a consistent basis. This could be something physical, like physical workouts. It could be something that's consistently bringing you beyond where you're currently at, whether it's running marathons or putting in a step count for the day, getting 10,000 steps in a day, signing up for jujitsu, playing something or doing something in a physical manner that is beyond your comfort zone on a consistent basis. This, This could be something that's more psychological as well, like public speaking. It could be you were afraid to, you're afraid of speaking in public and you decide to sign up for a speech class or an improv class, something that's super fucking scary to you and you do it anyway. Maybe you're scared to to hunt. You've been excited by guns and you want to learn how to shoot a weapon and you want to combine that with hunting skills and you decide to learn how to hunt or go camping, something that is outside of your comfort zone that you're consistently putting yourself in in the face of. And someone that inspires me by doing this, someone that I've also never met is David Goggins. I recently finished his book, Can't Hurt Me, which I've talked about a little bit on the podcast. And the savage manner with which he goes about his life is a huge inspiration to me on a daily basis. He runs with massive blisters on his feet for hundreds of miles. 
He does thousands of pull-ups because he fucking wants to, because he thought that he wanted to set the Guinness Book of World Records for pull-ups one day and fucking did it after failing multiple times with his hands literally ripping apart. David Goggins is a huge inspiration to me when I need to channel that inner savagery on days that I'm not feeling it, when I need to get through a workout or a podcast or whatever it may be, to channel those things, I I channel David Goggins in those situations in order to help me get through it. And I think this dude's the baddest motherfucker. He was able to do it. He puts himself in tough situations on a consistent basis. That inspires me to do the same. And there's a quote from Can't Hurt Me that I highlighted while reading the book and revisited this morning. And David Goggins writes this quote, we must change our minds, be willing to scrap our identity and always make the extra effort to always find more in order to become more. We must remove our governor. And that's what David Goggins does for me. He helps me remove my governor more than if David Goggins had never existed. If if he wasn't out there doing the shit that he did, if if he wasn't out there inspiring people every day, and I'm one of the people he inspires, you know, maybe, maybe I skip a workout that day. Maybe I pack it in. But the fact that he's out there doing it, I see that it's possible. And so I get in the habit of removing that governor a little bit, just chipping away at it, chipping and taking away a little bit every day until I find myself in a new zone of comfort and then I chip away a little bit at that. So number one thing for someone who's the baddest motherfucker on the planet is someone who voluntarily puts themselves in tough situations on a consistent basis, whether that's physical, psychological, or both, something that combines both, which tough situations often do. The second thing that defines the baddest motherfucker on the planet is this. When she is in those tough situations, she develops a certain calmness about her. She even invites the toughness, accepts it, wants it. She walks into the fire smiling. I haven't seen many of these people. There are situations where I've seen people walk into the fire smiling walk into the tough situation smiling, the shit smiling, they're inviting it, they're welcoming this demon or this shit storm with open arms and saying, I accept this into my life and I may as well fucking smile while I'm doing it. And I saw one of these situations yesterday and it was a fight, a UFC free fight on YouTube, which I'll link in the podcast description One of the most exciting, if not the most exciting fights I've ever seen between Kyle Bokniak and Zabit Magomed Sharipov. I hope that I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, But yeah, Kyle Bokniak versus Zabit Magomed Sharipov. Kyle is an MMA fighter from the Boston area and Zabit is a MMA fighter from Dagestan, Russia, where many of the top MMA fighters are because it's a toughest shit area to grow up. Khabib is from there as well, who if you're familiar with UFC, he is arguably the best UFC fighter in the world and recently retired. This fight, 
Kyle Bokniak was the heavy underdog. Zabit is technically superior. He was 6'1 at 145. Kyle was 5'7 at 145. So Zabit had the reach. He had the skills. He's if if you put a fighter in a fucking one of those Captain America pods and wanted to take a UFC fighter out of it, it would look like Sabit, someone who's strong as shit and wiry and super fucking athletic. And so Kyle going into this fight was the heavy underdog. When I watched this fight, the first round, Kyle was feeling out Zabit. They were going back and forth. Zabit looked like he was a dominating force, and he was. And Kyle was kind of just feeling out that first round. The second round, there was a point where Kyle actually put his hands down and walked up to Zabit. And Zabit clipped him a couple times with good punches. And he put his hands down and he was sticking his tongue out, yelling, not in like a fuck you sort of yell, but like, like I'm enjoying this sort of yell, like, ah, like he was looking at Zabit, staring him down with his hands down. Zabit clipped him and he didn't knock him out. He, he hit him twice in the face, didn't knock him out. And... John Clark, Kyle Bokniak's coach, actually spoke about this moment on the Lex Friedman podcast. And there's a there's a full episode where they talk about the Zabit Kyle fight for about 20, 30 minutes. And I'll link this episode of the podcast as well so you can hear John Clark talk about himself. But John Clark mentions that, you know, Kyle felt Zabit's power wasn't there or it started to fade because the beat is a taller guy and he had to lose a lot of weight for this fight it was a one it was a 145 pound fight the beat six one being 145 at six one is pretty fucking light and kyle felt his punches just weren't as powerful for whatever reason and so he actually put his hands down and the beat clipped him twice and he didn't knock Kyle out. They were pretty solid punches and he didn't seem to really stumble back that far. He didn't seem phased by it. And as a fighter, I don't care if you're the best fighter in the world, that has to fuck with you if some guy puts his hands down in front of you, standing directly in front of you, and you have two open shots on him and you don't hurt him or seemingly hurt him. You're like, well, how the fuck am I going to hurt him with his hands up? Like, I have zero chance if I can't even fucking knock this dude out with his hands down. And he started walking forward to Zabit with his tongue down. And that that was amazing for me to see. I was so fucking amped up watching that on YouTube. I can't imagine what the energy was like in the Barclays Center. The fight ended up going a full three rounds, which does not happen often with Zabit. Kyle gave Zabit a full three rounds, and Zabit won the decision. It, it was not a super close fight. Zabit easily won the decision. But the thing that I will remember the rest of my life from that fight is Kyle Bokniak smiling, yelling, having fun in the ring throughout the fight with one of the deadliest MMA assassins on the planet. And I want to make this point as well. I'm not saying be reckless and abandon all skill in these situations and laugh and scream and do it because you think it's going to make you seem tough. That's not what I'm saying. Kyle Bokniak didn't abandon his 
plan for the fight. He didn't abandon his skill. What I'm saying is that Kyle Bogniak was in the ring with a deadly MMA fighter, some guy that is a technical assassin, and he accepted that fact, and he walked into the ring, and when you are in the ring with a tough motherfucker, someone who can easily knock you the fuck out, no one expects you to win. You can either face that with misery and and be scared and, and shrink, or you can face it with a smile. You can have fun. You can yell. You can almost like inspire yourself into more energy. And actually, Dr. Andrew Huberman talks about this. A neuroscientist on the Joe Rogan podcast, on the Rich Roll podcast, Dr. Andrew Huberman talks about being able to give yourself more energy by laughing around and joking and inviting levity into your training and performance, that you can actually give yourself a second wind by having fun, basically, and being willing to smile in the face of the fire, walk into the fire and do it smiling. And that's that's what Kyle Bokniak put on full display. It was a super energetic fight all the way up to the end. The last 25, 30 seconds, they were trading punches right in each other's face, walking up to each other. There was not any point in that fight where I thought Kyle Bokniak was afraid of Zabit or was not willing to challenge Zabit. If anything, my thought after that fight was like, damn, Zabit probably thinks this kid is a fucking psycho. Zabit is technically the better fighter, but he... He looked like the one who was more freaked out. Like some of the expressions on his faces during the during the fight was like, I can't believe this guy's still fucking approaching me and begging me. He's begging Zabit for more. And that to me makes Kyle Bogniak a bad motherfucker. That he's putting himself in tough situations and he's smiling in the face of the fire. He's walking into the fire and he's having a good time doing it. He accepted a tough situation in, into his life and he's approaching it with a calmness, with, with, with a positive attitude. And that is something that I aspire to be able to do in the toughest situations in my life is to not face them in misery, but to face them with a, with a calm levity and be able to laugh and joke and even though I'm in a shitty situation to, to be an uplifting force to myself and the people around me. So my challenge to you and a lifelong challenge to myself is to channel those two aspects of being a bad motherfucker. And you, and you don't have to step into the ring with an MMA fighter. I'm certainly not doing that, at least right now. How can you make little changes to shift your comfort zone beyond what it is right now? You know, if if you don't if you don't walk around often, maybe you start with doing five thousand steps a day. If you normally hop on the bike for thirty minutes, maybe you push it to forty five minutes the next time. If you are super nervous with speaking publicly or speaking in meetings maybe you don't start with a public speaking class maybe you take the lead on the next zoom meeting for work or volunteer to take the lead on a project something that's going to require you to use your voice in a way that you're currently not comfortable with not comfortable with yet one of the most fulfilling moments 
in life is to have fun and be smiling amidst a shitstorm, a situation where things can go terribly wrong. And that is something that I want to do. That is something I challenge you to do to not only face those tough situations on a consistent basis, but also face them smiling, to face them with a positive mood, to face them joking around, yelling, screaming with your tongue fucking out, lashing with a bloody face and saying, I don't give a fuck. I'm having a good time. So thank you, Kyle Bokniak, for showing me that and for inspiring me. And thank you for listening. <laughs>